You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, it's our Station One, and we are here to talk all about Stranger Things Season 3. Let's go to the mall and explore the wonderful Starcourt Mall in Hawkins, Indiana. It's going to be a lot of fun to do, and as we always like to say when we talk about a TV show or a movie, if you haven't seen it yet, we are going to spoil. How exciting! <laughs> Spoilers! So please, please, you know, take a break, pause right here, watch, what is it, eight episodes of Stranger Things. We'll wait for you. We're not going anywhere. So, you know, I'll just talk to my co-host here, Mr. Mike Gordon. Howdy. Howdy, friend. Are you ready to go to the Upside Down again? Oh, man, I tell you what, I th- I've been in the Upside Down so long, if this feels like it's right side up. Well, you know... Maybe we live in the upside down, and the other is the real world, and we just don't you know, know it. I uh, I would not be surprised some days. No, what's going on in the world nowadays? It always wonders what the heck happened. So yeah, I do understand that quite a bit, but it's gonna be a lot of fun to talk all about it this week. We've got some great folks joining us, so please, you know, feel free to. Leave us feedback. We'd love to hear from you guys. What did you guys think of season three of Stranger Things? Did you like it? Did you not? Did it work for you? Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com. You know, if you want and you're enjoying the show and you haven't already, please subscribe to our show up on, you know, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, wherever fine podcasts are found pretty much. Or, you know, we also have a great presence up on social media with the ESO Network on Facebook and Twitter. And now we have an Instagram. So, you know, please, you know, look up ESO Network. We've got some great, great stuff up there. And, you know, Earth Station One is a proud member of the ESO Network. So we're actually the founding show of the ESO Network. So it's pretty awesome. We definitely have a lot to talk about this week, but we want to go real quick. Thank you to our patrons for joining us this week and every week and listening to our show. And, you know, that's why we like being part of, you know, having the Patreon because you guys get the show 48 hours before the general public does. So, you know what? It's pretty darn awesome when you do. And I want to say thank you real quick to some of the people up on our patrons and, you know, our community. So, you know, before we do that, you know, we definitely want to thank, of course, Dave Slaughter. We want to thank Jerry Chandler. And we also want to thank uh, Mike Seals. So, you know, definitely you could become a patron too. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash ESO network. It's not that difficult. And for as little as a quarter a week, you could become a patron too. So definitely please check us out. With that being said, Mike, we got a lot of stuff that happened this week while we were, you know, doing stuff here in Atlanta. It was San Diego Comic-Con time. San Diego Comic-Con time. Seems like it happens early. It comes earlier every year, doesn't it? Um, And every year you're kind of like, oh man, San Diego, that's nonsense, right? It's just going to be 
it's a hype show and nothing interesting happens, nothing big announcements. But every year, boom, they, uh, they, they, they give us some huge, huge announcements. And so I just wanted to talk real briefly about some of the things that you found exciting about this year's uh, San Diego Comic-Con. Of course, I wish I was there. Uh, I don't wish I, I don't miss the crowds, but I miss the action. I miss the, the element of being there. And uh, of course, you know, I wish uh, certain, some of my projects were, were San Diego Comic-Con worthy. Certainly were, were worthy of Hall H, so to speak. Um, But, um, you know, two weeks ago, we had a panel at the Atlanta Comic-Con where we talked about the future of the MCU. And boom, uh, we've got uh, a, a, a very good look at what the f- what phase four now looks like from Marvel. And I tell you what, it's pretty exciting. Now, uh, there was a lot of announcements made about phase four. Mike, was there anything? What, what struck you as the most exciting thing about phase four that uh, you're like, oh, man, that's just so awesome? Well, phase four looks just amazing as I fully expected to be. I was actually more surprised what wasn't up on phase four that you didn't get a black Panther two, a captain Marvel two, a, you know, basically you didn't get guardians of the galaxy three, you know, you didn't get, you know, three big ones that I was fully expected but you did get the Black Widow movie that we were expecting. You got Doctor Strange 2, which is supposed to be the first, as they call it, the first scary Marvel MCU movie, which looks pretty amazing. You're getting the Eternals, and you're getting also the Master of Kung Fu, Shang Chi. And we predicted, actually, Mike Faulkner predicted last week at Atlanta Comic Con that you would get the Mandarin as the villain. I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah, good for Faulkner for pointing that out would be that would work pretty well. And he just threw that out there and bam, got it, got it going on. So I don't know if they were listening, but uh, yeah, I, you know, I wasn't surprised. I wasn't super surprised by the fact that, uh, that because we know uh, Black Panther 2 is coming. Uh, we know that, and I guess it's going to be part of phase five now. Um, mm-hmm. so we get black Panther five, I'm sorry, two, we get, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we get, uh, Captain Marvel two, we get guardians three. So that's obviously also probably we'll get a Spider-Man also in there too. I would imagine that. Yeah. Spider-Man three, uh, yeah. Um, brand new home. Uh, I call in it here. That's what it's going to be called. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be, <laughs> uh, so that's, uh, that, that's what we're, you know, that's coming in phase five. So, what is what is happening in between there? You know, we've got. I think the most exciting thing that I was like floored by is I I was I you know I don't think anybody knew that if we were going to get another Thor movie, and so not only are we getting a Thor movie and we're going to see Valkyrie back in that as well, and it's directed by the same guy who did Ragnarok, but I think the huge announcement was that Natalie Portman is returning as Jane Foster and she's going to pick up the hammer. Exactly. We're getting Jane Foster Thor. Um, Exactly what that's going to look like. I don't know, but I'm actually really excited by that. I think, uh, I think, uh, you know, I'm a a fan of Natalie Portman's and I think uh, 
I think she doesn't give enough credit for having a lot of fun. And I think this could show a side of her that a lot of people uh, don't, are not aware of. I really like the first Thor movie. I know some people uh, don't care for it, but I really, really love the first Thor movie. And one of the things I love about the first Thor movie is, and even into the second one, I like the chemistry between Natalie Portman and, uh, and uh, which Chris is it? Um, Helmsworth. Pratt, no. Um, which Helmsworth. Helmsworth. Which Helmsworth is it? No, just kidding. Um, Liam. So, uh, no. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of excited by that, you know. So, so I, I, that excited me more than I thought it would. I was just like, oh, that's cool. Um, and then second of all, I was really excited to see that we're getting another Blade movie. Um, we're finally getting Blade in the MCU. Uh, they've cast Blade, and if I try to say his name i'm gonna butcher it so i'm not uh i'm not gonna try but it's a great actor um he was the bad guy actually in uh luke cage yeah he's a bad guy in luke cage and he was like yeah we just saw him this year in alita so right uh, but you also saw him also in um the one that almost won the best picture too you know? Yeah, and he was also this season in True Detective. He was the, the star of that. So, I mean, mm-hmm. the, the guy's got some serious chops. So it should be really cool to see him throw down with some vampires uh, in the MCU. So that's that's pretty awesome. I'm looking forward to that. And, you know, I don't know what to make of the Eternals. It's going to be really interesting because I bet that the Eternals is going to come out that around the same time as DC's uh, New Gods. And so that month is going to be called, I think, Kirby Crackle Month. Of course. <laughs> so you're going to get a lot of like, like heavy Kirby gods and, and monsters kind of stuff going on. That is going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. Um, I, I do not, I still have confidence, every confidence in Marvel and the MCU. I think they've done a fantastic job for the last 10 years. Um, and I, I certainly am not questioning anything that they're doing because Lord knows if you question it, it's, you know, it's going to work that they've made it, all this stuff work. Every time they, everybody tries to second guess them, it still works. So, uh, I'm just curious how they're going to pull it off because, you know, Eternals is one of those things that, I mean, only really, really a few comic fans really get into. So how are you going to make that open that up to a wide audience? The same way they did Guardians of the Galaxy. Well, with a hell of a cast, I'll tell you that. Um, so they've already announced some cast for that, and it's it's a pretty big, pretty big turnout. So, um, so that was exciting, and of course, some TV stuff. You know, get Disney Plus, and you're going to see the adventures of uh, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. You're going to see WandaVision, which is going to lead up to. Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange movie because Wanda is featured in the Doctor Strange movie. And uh, I wonder what that's going to do for Clea if they're going to introduce her. Well, who knows? Um, uh, And then uh, we get Loki. Um, So there's a, there's a, you know, what I'm really looking forward to is the animated. What if, and then the, yeah, the, what if uh, series that's coming out too. So, which is going to feature, you know, the cast from all of the MCU movies and stuff. So at any, like, yeah, they're just going to tell alternate stories, which is going to be fun. That's a great, great concept. So 
I, I like they brought down the house and that was like the big star attraction. I think um, there was a lot of other stuff, of course, mentioned about some other projects and, and, uh, you know, movies, TV, that kind of thing. Uh, I know we don't have time to go through all of it. Mike, was there anything else that particularly got your attention uh, this weekend at San Diego? Oh, I thought you were going to say for Marvel because Marvel also did mention, you know, that fantastic four are coming. Well, yeah, they said, yeah, Fantastic Four mutants are coming. They, yes. But they didn't give any more information than that. Nope. And they did say that they will not be changing Deadpool. Gotcha. Uh, you know, Deadpool will be Deadpool. Deadpool It'll be, will be what, Deadpool. So prepare to see that also. Um, from San Diego, a lot of things, actually. Uh, my biggest kick was, of course, seeing the preview for Picard. Yes, good call. That was a surprise as well. Um you know, they we had this series that was announced with Patrick Stewart returning as the role of Picard, but they were really cagey, saying that there wasn't going to be anybody else from the next generation in it. Uh, it was all just going to be the solo mission uh, of him when he's older. And uh, you saw the preview. And, and then with, between the preview and some of the news that came out afterwards, yeah, we're going to get we're going to get some we're going to see some very familiar faces in this. I would have been surprised if you wouldn't have. And the preview was just awesome. And then when you saw, wait a minute, was that seven of nine? What's like, wait a minute. And then them opening the case and data being in there. It was just like, whoa. All right. This is pretty, (laughs) this is going to be awesome. You saw the board cube. It's just like, okay, this is all, you know, this is the Star Trek that I know and love. And it's the original timeline. It's not, the movie reboot timeline, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. The, um, uh, it's really, yeah. It's, and it's, it seems like it's a Borg heavy centric story, right? So, I mean, I don't think we're going to see another invasion, but it looks like there's, there's still that connection that you assume you assume. I don't assume I saw the Borg. I saw, no, 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 but there's, I saw, like the board, like inside of a board cube. I there's you did, good. but that's that could just be one story. That could be the premiere storyline. It could be going into all these different things. We don't know. We don't know. Sure. And that's the cool thing about it. So you know, and I, that's one of the things I love about it. Yeah, the uh, it's going to be exciting. I don't know that it's yet enough to get me to do a streaming service, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see. And um, I think the other big thing that I was excited about was all the news that was coming out about the CW big crossover event, the crisis on infinite earths that they're doing. Um, they, they've made some announcements that, uh, uh, that some folks are returning or going to be appearing in other roles. Like for example, Brandon Roush, who's on legend of tomorrow as Ray Palmer, the Adam will be donning his familiar. Well, not so familiar. He'll be Don. He'll be playing Superman, kind of, but he's going to be playing a Kingdom Come Superman. And for those people who are not familiar with the comics, it is a very older alternate reality Superman, which is going to be really interesting. But yeah, he revealed that. I mean, it came out before San Diego that he was going to be reprising the role of Superman in this series, but or in this crossover. But then during the panel, he opened up his shirt and the S that he revealed was a familiar S to a lot of comic fans, maybe not so much the general public, but, but that people were actually expecting him to play the Superman from the movie he was in. Yeah. 
which and then was, uh which was pretty um, awesome too and they they showed previews of all the seasons of course of the cw shows no factual footage of the crossover i don't think they've actually gotten around to filming it yet but Mm-mm. they also made the announcement that uh burt ward is going to be featured in a role as well doesn't say what that role is going to be so i don't expect anybody to i don't expect him to slap on the tights and the green booties um yeah god no please that's just nobody wants no to no one wants to see that <laughs> but but Burt Ward is going to have a role as well. And some unreliable sources are saying that there's a bunch of other people that could be involved as well. I I'll don't believe it. Know. I'll believe it yeah. when I see it. But it's but the thing is, it's exciting, right? It's exciting. I like the fact that they're opening the door. We're going to see, we could end up seeing like a, a lot of different versions of DC characters in this. And it's going to be a blast. I I would expect nothing less from something called Crisis on Infinite Earths. And worlds they will live, said, worlds will die. Well, they definitely said that uh, none of the shows on the CW are going to be the same afterwards, and there will be a toll. Uh, so all of the shows are probably going to change in some format. Um, and some of the shows, like Supergirl, even Black Lightning, may be drawn into the same universe we don't i mean if that i mean that's that's what happened with the original crisis they seem to be hinting that that could be the case for this as well but we'll see um if that was very exciting too and it's always cool to see all of those shows having some fun uh because uh they just have a great time uh so lots of different stuff like that um i think we hit the big highlights don't you did we miss anything well, there was just, you know, there's other movies that were announced, like preview-wise and such. You know, you, you got the Maverick preview for Top Gun 2 and, you know, the quest for more money. You know, that type of thing. Well, Tom showed up. Uh, yes, he did. You know, he, he showed up at, uh, at uh, San Diego, so that's something. And, yeah, I mean, like, look, I know a lot of people who uh, love the Top Gun movie, the original one, and they're very excited by this. So good for them. You know, mm-hmm. no, exactly. And, you know, there was a lot of other things that were, you know, it was announced that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was going to definitely be ending at the end of next season. Yep. And some of the cast members cried. Well, it's a paycheck, of course. <laughs> so, you know, it's it was interesting to see what, you know, what was going to be happening. And, you know, we'll be, you know, definitely on top of a lot of it. It will, you know, it's going to be great to hear you know what they say we got a new watchman trailer for hbo uh the news also that you got that the orville is actually not coming back to fox it's going to be coming back onto hulu so you're gonna have to stream to watch the orville next season but from what i hear is that the orville wasn't going to be ready for this next season anyway. Right, they weren't going to be able to meet their commitment to Fox. Exactly. And that's truthfully, that's what I heard most um, was, you know, the big thing. Yes, because Fox has a, hey, such a long history of being patient and letting shows develop properly. We're not going to go there. (laughs) We're not going to do that. I do think, you know, uh, Orville moving to Hulu is, I don't know. It, it probably means that I'm not going to tune in, but we'll see. I mean, I did, I did get moved because of uh, Veronica Mars. And so at some point I'll shout out about that, 
But, um, you know, so it's not out of the realm of possibilities. But yes, I'm getting to the point where I have to really cut down on the streaming services. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the big uh, one of the news was with Veronica Mars. <laughs> hey, instead of it coming out in two months, it's available today. You know, it's pretty much defined my weekend then. Because <laughs> I was like, okay, so that's what I spent Friday and Saturday night doing. Um, yeah, well, you know, not a bad way to do. I'm actually shocked you're not all over the Westworld preview. that they had so good so i'm so excited i'm so excited for westworld three season three is gonna looks like it's gonna be rocking um yes man that was ooh a world war ii world huh Mm -hmm. that's 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 amazing um yeah i'm excited for that i am excited for that but i have to contain that because that's not coming out until like long time next year. So, and, uh, and just, you know, to wrap up, I mean, I think, uh, I was surprised to hear that we're going to get, uh, um, walking dead in the theaters. Well, I'm not because I knew they were going for the Rick movies anyway. Cause that's, well, they why... said that they were going to be Rick movies, but they, I mean, I think everybody assumed they were just going to be on AMC. I don't think anybody assumed they were actually going to be in the theater. No, true. You know, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how they do it. I'm, gonna say have fun enjoy you know because i walked away from the whole thing anyway but sure. you know there's a lot of people out there who still love it yeah and it's interesting to see if that yeah. that franchise and they're adding another show too there's gonna be yes. a third show so they're not done they're still milking the uh the comic series recently ended but the tv series has no the tv stuff has no sign of ending it mmc is like is going dead crazy still no, totally understand that. It's pretty cool, though. You know, there's some great stuff, you know, happening with Walking Dead. Comic is done, but the TV series, uh, they had the trailer for this next season, and it's definitely getting very intense, which is pretty cool. And so yeah. cool. There's yep. also a TV show called um, His Dark Materials. Um, basically, that was the Golden Compass story that they did a couple years ago in the movies Hmm. it's coming to hbo and they're doing it properly you know with the story because the other one was way too rushed so it should be very interesting to see what happens yeah and that's just like i said that's just a a pinprick and highlight of uh, the big stuff that happened at san diego there's a ton of other news that came out of it we haven't even gotten into comic news but uh, uh there's a lot of stuff there going on too and you know that san diego like look new york and some i think another convention is uh, kind of beat it in terms of attendance but i think in terms of prominence and announcements and everything like that the the center of the convention scene is still san diego oh yeah well san and they diego- celebrated 50 years this year it's the 50th anniversary this year it is san diego is more of a true trade show you know so it's almost as old as us mike no it's not that old <laughs> and we're much more mature <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay i can't even do that with a straight face so so it'll be very interesting to see what happens with you know the whole you know coming out what people's responses are but we definitely want to hear from you guys at home please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com be great to hear from you guys let's take a quick break and we will be back in the moment 
Hi, this is Ashley Pauls with this week's Box Office Buzz. Now, I actually want to do something a little bit different this week, and instead of starting off with the movies that we have coming up in theaters, I want to talk about one of the big announcements at San Diego Comic-Con, and of course, it's what a lot of geeks are talking about right now, and that is the announcement of the next slate of Marvel movies. I was really excited about this announcement, and I'm excited that I'm excited about this announcement because before, I was actually starting to feel just maybe the slightest bit burned out when it comes to the MCU, ready for just a little bit of a break, and not that I don't like these movies anymore, I really do, but we've had a lot of movies, and Endgame is such a big movie to digest that I was just feeling like I needed a little bit of a break. However, I saw everything I wanted to see from that announcement from San Diego Comic Con. It looks like they're just really going to cut loose lots of new movies, new ideas, new characters. I don't really know anything about the Eternals as a comic book group, but I love the cast. I think it sounds really exciting. Um, also, really looking forward to Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, I believe it is called. Again, don't know a lot about what series this may or may not be based on, but the fact that it's called the Multiverse of Madness is really awesome. Um, Black Widow movie looks great. Again, great cast. Um, Just, it looks like they're going to be trying a lot of fun new things. So I'm really excited and ready to get re-energized and re-engaged. And I'm sure this is something that Marvel fans, we're going to be talking about this a lot, what this means for the future of the MCU, what we're going to be seeing from these movies. But just wanted to comment real quick on that, that I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do. Now, in theaters this weekend, something that's coming up a little bit sooner, we'll have to wait for some of those Marvel movies, of course, is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the next movie from Quentin Tarantino. I've seen most of Quentin Tarantino's movies. I know there's a couple that I still need to see, like Kill Bill is one that I still need to catch up on, but I've been looking forward to this movie just because I think all his movies have their different features, but yet you can also tell that they are distinctively his style. So I think that this movie is going to be really cool, set in 1960s Hollywood, which I think is a cool setting. I don't know much about it beyond that, but I'm kind of okay with that. Sometimes it's nice to just walk into a movie and not necessarily know what you're going to be getting and have all these preconceived notions about what you're going to see. So I'm looking forward to it. Also on DVD this week, we have the movie Alita, Battle Angel. Now, I know we talked about this one on ESO many months back, and it it did decently at the box office, maybe not as much of a smash as they were hoping for, but I actually really enjoyed it. Had some interesting characters and themes that they were kind of playing with, and I would like to see more from this world. So if you happen to mention it, take a break from all the summer blockbusters that are coming out now and go back to watch it, because I would say it's definitely worth a rewatch. And that's it for this week's Box Office Buzz. If you're looking for more entertainment-related content, be sure to check out my blog, boxofficebuzzab.wordpress.com. I am continuing my first time viewing of Game of Thrones and just did a blog about seasons two and three and my thoughts on that. How deep? Dragon Con 2019 is fast approaching. So fill up your buckets of rum and keep up with the latest news 
announcements, interviews, and mispronunciations of guest names as only the Connorport Podcast crew can make. Let us be your guide each month as we count down to the big event on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite media play. Listen to the Dragon Con Con Report. It's almost as good as being there, but without the long lines, smelly gamers, and hangover. Hey everyone, welcome back to Earth Station One. We're now back here with Jay from the Reclamation Society. Welcome back to the show, sir. Oh, pleasure to be here. Glad you guys are talking to me and always a pleasure to join you both. Yeah, it's been a little while since you've been on the station, so welcome back, sir. Yeah, thanks. know that uh, you're doing a lot with the Story Geeks podcast, of course, all crazy stuff going on over there, Um, and that's keeping you very busy. As if that's not enough, though, you just released a book. (laughs) That's true, yeah. Just came out with a book. You know, on the Story Geeks podcast, I'm always talking about how I approach all, like, viewing geek stories as a writer. And this is actually a chance for me to get to talk about my own work. So that's kind of fun. Like, usually I'm talking about somebody else's stuff. Yeah, yeah. I want to talk all about that. But first, for those people who are not familiar with Time Slingers, what's the elevator pitch? The elevator pitch is basically that you've got uh, a a big totalitarian government. Um, Well, the question is, are they totalitarian or not? You have to make up your own mind on that. But they kind of control the global uh, influence, right? And you've got this group of freedom fighters slash terrorists. You make up your mind on that one too, uh, who are trying to fight back and trying to do that through changing the past in order to uh, basically um, upset the, the, the totalitarian government. And it's just an adventure story, that, an action adventure story that happens in, in, in that kind of setting where they're going back in time to try and make changes to the historical record in order to upset this government agency that they believe is, um, you know, too involved in people's lives. So that's the, dro- the backdrop. And it's really, really easy to read, uh, very fast paced. That's the, that's the, probably the most common thing we hear is it was really fun and it was really fast paced, uh, which makes us really happy. So. Yeah. And when I, full disclosure, I uh, have read it or actually listened to most of it. I did half reading, half listen. So, uh, I can only take your voice for so long. No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. No, you do a great job with the audio version as well. And, um, yeah, I definitely, um, like, yeah, I thought, um, uh, I don't know. I suppose it seems crass to, to do this, but of course it, it's, you know, it's all about Hollywood and stuff. And, and so I would say that for those people who like, it, it's like timeless meets 24, right? Oh, that's a great description. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you've got this time agency, but if, but it's the action, the, um, the, the pace of like a season of 24. Yeah, and it's funny you say that because 24 was actually an inspiration for it because... I could tell. Yeah, because it was like, okay, so how do you tell this story? Because we were trying to... um, This is, you know, we started writing this story back in 2005. And we started it as a blog. But then the iPhone came out, smartphones came out. And so we were like, how do you take these, you know, what were 1,500 to 2,000 word blog posts, which for those of you who don't know, that's like a pretty long blog post. Um, how do you take that and turn it into something you could read on a mobile device really quickly? Because people don't have time to read much on their mobile devices. You know, even if you're on a Kindle, it can be hard to concentrate sometimes, especially if you're commuting or something. So we took all the posts and we cut them down to between like 350 and 800 words. 
um, which meant that it had to be as tight as possible and it had to move really, really fast. And then we had to leave everybody on a cliffhanger because it's kind of like, a, you know, like you said, 24, a serial story um, that this one does have an end, obviously. But uh, yeah, you got to you got to hit them hard and hit them fast and keep them wanting more. <laughs> Absolutely. And then you said we, and you are the uh, co-author, Jay, is that fair? Yeah, co-author. Yeah. So I, I put all the words on the page, but I have an illustrator and a co-author uh, named Nathan, uh, Nathan Sheck. And he, I had given him author credit because one, he does all the illustrations for the book, but also he is like basically my writing partner in the fact that we go over each installment of the story each episode of the story he makes sure that everything is logically consistent he's really good about that i i can be a little bit too creative sometimes and he'll go hey you know what like this doesn't make any sense because you actually said the antithesis of this two chapters ago or whatever you know so it's a really big help um to have him involved and then we try to get as much feedback from outside people as possible too because you know, we are, this is, we're a small press and it's just basically the two of us working on these things and we bring other people in, we'll bring in editors and things like that. But our goal is to create stories that the, the audience really enjoys we're, we don't have like, we're not, we're not subject to some editor at some giant publisher telling us like, we don't really like the way this turned out. Can you change this or change that? So that means we have to be really good about listening to the people who read our stories so that we can adapt them to meet what they believe is the right thing to do. And we like that because it means that the customer is the one that's driving things forward. So it's cool for us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, uh, so for this book, um, you took on the challenge of writing a story that uh, involves time travel. Yeah. And even though there's been, um, you know, movies, TVs, books and whatnot that have had great success, uh, I think we're living in, we just saw like Avengers Endgame have the most success ever of anything that involves time travel, I think. Um, but what did you find was a particular challenge with, uh, with involving time travel with your story? Yeah, it's a good question. So, I mean, time travel is one of those things where it's interesting conceptually because, you know, you're playing with bigger themes to begin with. Like you're playing with like what, how much does like destiny or predestination have to do with our lives? And, and we all feel this need to change the past and like redeem our past or change something that could change our future, you know, or even see the future and jump ahead. But the big constraint is you have to have a set of rules and you have to be very diligent about sticking to those rules. So, I mean, the first decision you got to come to is, are there multiple timelines or is there just one timeline? And if there are multiple timelines, how many can, can there be? Is it just basically an infinite number of timelines? So, you have to be pretty diligent because it's way too easy to break your own rules unintentionally, especially when the plot or the characters sort of demand that you go in a different direction that you didn't expect. So um, I think the, the, hard, the most difficult thing is coming up with the type of time travel you want to pursue. And then the second most difficult thing is being able to communicate how the time travel works in a way that, I mean, let's face it, like, if time travel exists, I don't think many of us have ever experienced it or know it, um, which means that we're dealing with um, theoretical science. And theoretical science is very easy to get into problems with suspension of disbelief. So you have to be able to have rules 
and that people in your audience have to be able to buy into those rules and buy into your science or pseudoscience in a way that that gets them past that barrier so they're just in it for the enjoyment of the story. So that's probably the biggest thing, just coming up with those rules. That's why Nathan helps so much because I have broken the rules many times and he's been like, nope, <laughs> you're breaking the rules, sir. <laughs> um, and then a, a, a final question as far as the challenge for this goes, uh, writing for this, um, you know, you spend, obviously you've got the podcast with the story geeks and you are, you guys are known um, and I love it for, for going in depth right? And really attacking stories and plots and characters and what makes them tick and everything like that. Um, and so how much of a challenge is it for you to like to do that? Uh, does that part of your brain have to shut down when you're actually creating or is, does it work in conjunction with that? Oh, that's a fantastic question. Yeah. So with the podcast, yeah, you're right. We're always trying to like dig super deep into this stuff. What philosophies, theologies, what, what are, what's driving these stories, right? Like, and how are they, how are they turning out? So for me, I just, I just embrace that perspective. So what I try to think of in, in Scott Derrickson, the director of um, Dr. Strange amongst other films, but that's one of his big geek films. He said on Twitter one time that it is the writer's job to pick a topic to explore because you, if you go into something with a distinct message, it's almost like you start out with propaganda from the very beginning. And I really love that because if you take that perspective and you say, okay, here's something that we want to explore. So in Time Slingers, what we're kind of exploring is, um, is tribalism. And asking the question, I, I was asking myself personally the question of, you know, if would England in the late 1700s have seen uh, us as America, this fledgling America, would they have seen us as terrorists, right? Um, and I wrote this shortly after 9-11. So we're dealing with this thing where we're saying, okay, terrorists. And obviously, there's a distinct definition to that. But there's also messaging that our culture puts on top of that. and so the thought process was what would it look like for freedom fighters to be fighting back against a government that they believe to be totalitarian and restrictive and not based on freedom, um, which then sets up two problems, right? Because you've got on the one hand, you've got people who probably join that, that rebel group who are actual terrorists who, whose business is terror. But at the same time, you've got good people on the other side of the totalitarian government who want to do good things and preserve the historical record. So then there's all these questions related to what does that mean for our lives? What does that mean for our tribes? We choose these tribes that we're, we're going to be a part of. What does that mean? And I don't necessarily answer any of those questions for you. Hmm. I just throw you into that scenario so that you can think about that. So that you, and then, and of course I want you to have fun, but I do want you to think through some of those things too, because uh, one of the best comments I get is I don't, I didn't exactly know who to root for. And I go, that's awesome because I don't know who to root for either. I'm just putting people in scenarios and then having them interact in a way that I think is really compelling. And, and yeah, I think that's the, and I think you accomplish this too. And the true test of, you know, it, the thing that sort of makes it not uh, propaganda is when you, you're creating characters that might have a different point of view, but you're portraying them. So you really get to know them. Yes. Um, in a way that you're just like, oh, I can't hate this guy because I really kind of understand them. And it kind of opens up that kind of that world to you. 
Yeah, that's the goal. And, and sometimes you don't get there. Sometimes right. you do get there. And yeah. but that's the goal, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it is a fun read, uh, you know, despite all that heavy stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's a fun read as well. And uh, I definitely encourage people to check it out, listen to it. And um, where can people find it, Jay? Uh, on Amazon. So on Amazon, the uh, as of the recording of this show, the Kindle version is still scheduled to come out in a couple of days. So by the time this posts, it'll probably be out. And the audio book should be out soon as well. But the print book is available right now on Amazon.com. Awesome. Awesome. And any hints of what's next for you? Yeah, we have. Um, we're actually working on uh, a full cast audiobook called Death of a Bounty Hunter, which is a steampunk Western sort of mashup. It has some sci-fi in it too. And we actually uh, have cast all the roles. So uh, we have a full room of actors acting out. So the, uh, the story, and that's been really cool. Can't wait to release that. That's, that's a next year project because uh, I'm doing too many things, but <laughs> yeah, that's the next thing that we're, that we're working on. And um, various, it, it's a lot, more adult and deeper than time slingers time slingers is something that is pretty much a general audience you, you kind of you kind of mentioned 24 that's a really good description description uh but this next one is a little bit more adult in nature it's probably more of a rated r or a really hard pg-13 whereas time slingers i mean eight and up probably could could read time slingers and be very satisfied with that yeah there's nothing yeah i yeah i could see that being pg-13 yeah easily yeah yeah um very marketable very smart of you <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's one of those things you try you try and you know sometimes you just get inspiration and you yes. go this is what i'm writing so it doesn't really i mean i'll go find an audience afterwards if i have to and sometimes these sometimes you know sometimes your works never find an audience and it doesn't mean they're bad it just means that that the people you're trying to reach you never quite get there um but yeah time slingers is pretty not i wouldn't say ubiquitous because there's always some people like we've already gotten a few reviews that are like ah, there's not enough character development and you're like well it's not necessarily that kind of story but uh but i appreciate that feedback because then it tells me kind of like you know who am i targeting with this people yeah. who like really fast-paced well-plotted stories that are around time travel i think they'll love it absolutely i agree i had a great time with it and uh like i said i encourage everybody to check it out as well so very cool well we appreciate uh you being here to talk stranger things which we're going to do in a little bit but uh thanks for uh talking all about your book too yeah thank you guys so much for having me i really appreciate it absolutely let's take a quick break and we'll be back in a moment with stranger things everybody this is michelle with the iconic rock talk show moment and this past week of course marked the 50th anniversary of the first apollo moon landing and among all the celebrations and observations there was a concert by duran duran held at the rocket park at kennedy space center in florida that featured in addition to the splendor that is simon Lebon and the band uh 300 drones flying in formation an orchestra and a 40 voice choir uh, they played their hits, including New Moon on Monday, Astronaut, and Planet Earth, to an audience that included all the surviving astronauts who've walked on the moon. I don't know if Duran Duran is really in their demographic, but what the hey. Uh, special permission had to be granted uh, to fly the, the drones because you cannot fly anything in NASA airspace, so there was a lot of red tape to go, sh- go through. Uh, the show is 90 minutes, and a portion of the proceeds from it went to the STEAM education initiatives 
of the Buzz Aldrin Family Foundation. And after all that's over, the band is back to work on their newest album. It'll be their first since uh, Paper Gods from 2015. They say it sounds different from anything they've ever done. It's being produced by Errol Aiken and Mark Ronson, who also worked on their last two. Uh, it features Graham Coxon of Blur on one track and Swedish artist Likey Lee on another. Uh, Duran Duran say they're interested in working with all kinds of new artists to just send them a postcard, to which all the new artists said, what's a postcard? Uh, the album should be out next spring, and in the meantime, there are lots of photos and video of the NASA show at DuranDuran.com. And my blog is iconicrocktalkshow.wordpress.com, and this week I'll be posting uh, suggestions of non-performer women for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And that's all the news. We will catch you next time. Everyone these days could use a little support, and your friends at the ESO Network are no different. With the ESO Network Patreon, the cool thing is, is when you help support us, it's you who will benefit. With four tiers starting for as little as 25 cents a week, you can listen to some of your favorite network podcasts early, hear exclusive content, maybe get some ESO swag, or even possibly take a shot at the geek seat. All you need to do is sign up at patreon.com backslash ESO Network. Hey everyone, welcome back to Earth Station One. Now we are here to talk all about Season 3 of Stranger Things. And as we warned you at the beginning of this episode, you will be spoiled if you haven't seen it yet. But why haven't you? Come on, you've had two weeks already. You know, it's been out. It's been streaming everywhere on Netflix. You should be ready for it. Absolutely. So yes, we will uh, contain lots of spoilers and uh, we are returning to the town of Hawkins, Indiana. This time it's 1985, and uh, uh, we still got Jay here with us. Uh, so, uh, Jay, welcome again. Uh, it's, it's good to be here. And we've got with us, of course, we can't do anything in the 80s without having our 80s guru, Kevin Eldridge, is here. Hello, guys. Great to be back. Absolutely, sir. Yeah, it just happens to just fit. But right, a show that takes place in the eighties. So, do you actually watch it with like and like judge it on the authenticity? Yes, I'm super critical. Through the, I'm miserable. I make everyone around me miserable. As I'm just trying to point out anachronisms and uh, inconsistencies. Yeah, I'm a lot of fun. <laughs> well, this is going to be great then. Uh, <laughs> I'm here uh, to ruin the show. Well, very cool. Well, let's uh, start with because uh, I don't think either one of you were on uh, our episode where we were um, reviewed the uh, season two or season one of Stranger Things. So let's start with uh, with you, Jay. As far as you know, you're involved. Like how you like what you feel about Stranger Things, what you were looking for this season. Yeah. So it falls into basically it's flirting with my top five TV shows of all time. Uh, so I really enjoy it. The first season I thought was a masterpiece. Um, I don't actually have many criticisms of the first season whatsoever. Uh, obviously, some a few plot lines failed here and there, but I mean that's pretty much you watch Game of Thrones and you'll be even more frustrated. <laughs> um, 
I think season two took a step back for me. Didn't quite like season two as much. I think they were trying to replicate the magic of season one and they couldn't quite get there. Um, but I will tell you that I like season three a lot more than season two. So it falls just underneath season one for me. Um, and I thought it was really fun. I thought they abandoned trying to do the same thing that they'd already done in season one. And that made it a lot more fun and it made it a lot more enjoyable to watch. Absolutely. I, I definitely agree with that. I, I, I did not hate um, season two. I did see a lot of uh, criticism regarding season two and there were some missteps to be sure, as you mentioned, but, um, but yeah, stranger things three, they just series with series three, they just kind of, uh, in my opinion, knocked it way out of the park. Um, yeah. Uh, Kevin, what about you? Where did you, where were you coming into this season? Yeah. Well, I, you know, maybe I'm easier to please than you guys. Cause <laughs> I have loved all three seasons, uh, including two. I, I thought they've all just been so great. I actually was on, I believe the first ESO episode uh, that, that we did talking about stranger things season one. Uh, the season one? Okay. Yeah. The mayor of chicken town and I were both here on, uh, on ESO to discuss that uh, it just shows that we'll let anybody on the show come on yeah i can see what, a, what an impression i made right <laughs> it just shows that uh yeah i'm really i'm really losing <laughs> i get it I, um I, I did a convention panel in uh, minneapolis last year about stranger things season two uh which, which was great and yeah i i, I was totally in on, on season two i thought it was great i loved all the john hughes touches and ending at the prom and all that i i, I was in the arcade stuff ghostbusters i, I uh I thought it was terrific, and yeah, this this third season, they did it again. Uh, again, they they changed some things. They're they're not rehashing the same this the same uh, structure every time, but they're still giving you what you want, what you loved the first time. They're they're uh, it's it's a balancing act, I think, to do another season and then another season and to keep hitting that quality. And I think these guys are doing it. Mike, what about you? Uh, where were where were you going into season three? Like Kevin, this has been a huge nostalgia trip for me. This was my adolescence. This was me getting ready to graduate high school at this point, because eighty the summer of eighty five was right after I had graduated, and trying to figure, all right, am I going to college this next year? Or am I you know, going to take a year off to, you know, roam the world and do my Jack Kerouac thing to hint with last week's show. I was going to say, <laughs> dying into last week's? Exactly. But it was awesome to see, you know, where they've gone. And I've loved every season so far. I agree a little bit with Jay that I felt they did rehash a little bit of season one into season two, but I thought they ended it very solidly. And I'm glad they didn't make Paul Reiser last season the bad guy and such. Because, you know, we already had that with Matthew Modine the season before. Yeah. So, so you didn't need that to happen again. And this time, you know, this time it was the Russians, which is perfect because it's the middle of the Cold War. And it was great. I felt like I was being flashed back right to the end of high school for me. And seeing all the storefronts at the mall and seeing, you know, new Coke and just all the different references and a Seven Eleven. It was awesome to see Seven Eleven again because we don't have those down here in Georgia anymore. So, sure. No, that's crazy. We still have them out here. In California, we still got them. So anytime you want to come visit, we'll go to a Seven <laughs> Eleven. I need my Slurpee. I need my Slurpee. <laughs> or my Big Gulp. Come on. So, yeah. 
I, it was just awesome to see everything and I did enjoy it. I'm really looking forward to talking about this one. Yeah, it's really interesting to, and one of the things I'm really amazed that Stranger Things can do is like they really pump all that nostalgia in. And, um, you know, you could tell that they're inspired by things, uh, works, uh, movies of the, of the 80s, like, you know, Spielberg, Carpenter, uh, Stephen King, all that stuff is, is, is mixed in there. And, but there was a big thing in the eighties, of course, with the Russians, you know, like Red Dawn was in the eighties. Right. So like you get that element here in this one. And I think it works really well, even though, and it just so happens that, you know, Russia's in the news like a lot, like now. <laughs> so it just, it's like, whoa, it comes around at a, at an interesting time. Right. So, um, regarding, uh, the, the bad guy, the plot, the upside down, all of that elements. I think, you know, it's a, it's, it's, even though they've done a pretty good job at kind of keeping us interested with, uh, the bad guy, it's really kind of the same thing. It's the same, like the upside down is go and the, the, uh, what do they call it? The, um, uh, mind flare, the big yes, mind flare. Yeah. The mind flare. Yeah. Because yeah. 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 it used um, to be the Demogorgon and now it's the mind flare. Yes. Yeah. So now we've got the mind flare and you know, there was a hint at it in season two that it was going to be a factor in this one. Uh, I don't think uh, we, I was prepared for how much it would be, but I do give them some um, props for keeping that element uh, going and making it interesting. Cause it's not, it doesn't feel like it's, Oh, it's the same old thing that they're doing. Right. Um, what do you think in particular, and we'll start with you, Kevin, what do you think in particular of, of what they're, how they're exploring this supernatural element that's going along with it? Are you getting the answers that you want from that? Or is that just doesn't matter? Yeah, the, they didn't really, uh, there wasn't a lot, uh, of like going deeper into information about the upside down and this mind flare creature, I think compared to as they were first learning about it and discovering things in, in the first couple of seasons, this was kind of, okay, this thing's still here. The upside down's still there. We've got to kill the thing, seal it off and go, you know, it was just kind of there for them to have something to fight, which was fine. I think we got plenty of that in the first couple of seasons and there's so much more going on this season with the Russians and expanding the cast even more and, and bringing some of the other supporting characters into bigger parts this season. So I thought just kind of, all right, this is the setting is monsters from the upside down. We got it. <laughs> That's enough. Yeah, it almost seems like this season was like we have, a, you know, about eight or nine characters that know what what the upside down or at least have experience with it. And you have a bunch of people that don't. And they're the ones that are like doing, you know, like poking the bear, literally, right? They're just, they're like the Russians are down there and it it it, it doesn't, their goal is unclear, at least as far as I'm, as far as I know. Now, um, uh, the goal is of what they're trying to do is kind of unclear. And yet I don't think what is happening is, is, is I think that's just a side effect of what they're trying to do. I don't think they have any idea of the mind flare or anything like that. Um, Jay, what do you think about, about the whole like sort of plot element of the upside down and the mind flare this season? I actually really like what they chose to do here because in, in season one, it really felt like a horror movie. It, you know, it's like a mashup of like, uh, 
all the 80s horror movies and then also like all the 80s kid movies, kid adventure movies like Goonies and stuff, right? Um, I think that worked really well for season one because it felt more horror. In season two, I'm not sure that they knew exactly where to go with it. And I love season two, by the way. I, I, if I'm critical of season two, it's only because I do love it. Um, season three, I you feel only like hurt did. the ones you love, Jay. Come on, you know that. <laughs> That's right. It's exactly right. It's exactly right. Uh, season three, I think what they, it feels a lot more like a monster movie where it's like there's this big bad monster that's out there. And I think you're 100% right, um, G- Michael Gordon, when you say that it's not so much about exploring what's behind there. The Russians are, the Russians are kind of trying to do what the American scientists were trying to do, which is to say that use it as like a time travel device or a teleportation device of some kind where they can move people or spy on people across places. And so you do really have two bad guys. You've got the Russians as bad guys. And then you've also got, you know, this, this mind flare thing. And the Russians seem, like you said, pretty oblivious to the fact that the mind flare even exists and the kind of horror that they're creating by opening the gate. So I, I like that. I like that they didn't try and go deeper into it. Um, I think that there are a lot of landmines if you go deeper into that. And we talked about it on our podcast where we said, we do not want this to end up being hell or something, right? Like, it, it, we don't want to go in that direction. I don't think that ever works. Yeah, it does not work. It does not work. I so, would like to think the Devil Brothers are smarter than that. They're very, they're very smart, smart, excellent plotters. Um, and I love the tie-ins that they make into D&D back into the 80s. All that stuff is just fantastic. So I like the direction that they took here because they made it a lot more fun. I mean, there's a lot of cheesiness associated with the Russians. And, and I mean, there's, there's plot points of the movie where they'll stop for 90 seconds to do an 80s reference that they're in immediate danger. It's not the best thing to do, but it's so fun to watch. It's so forgivable. So I like that aspect of it. Yeah, and the, and the the way the seasons kind of go, and I think this is the case with all three seasons, is as far as the fun 80s stuff, you get more of that in the first few episodes than in the later episodes, just because things ramp up and they spend the second half of the season just being terrorized by monsters <laughs> almost nonstop. So you <laughs> you get the kind of more fun aspects, the, the shopping montage with the uh, Eleven and, and Max, and that kind of stuff is, uh, and all the mall stuff is up towards the front. But I like that they still find ways to, they'll still give you some fun moments even towards the end. Not as much as up front because it's just all nonstop action. But like this season, the never ending story, you know, was right in the middle of the absolute climactic tensest part of the series. (laughs) Suddenly we get a never ending story sing along. I thought of you that whole time, Kevin. It was just like, yep, (laughs) Kevin has to be digging this. Did you imagine me riding atop the giant dragon thing? I kind of sort of did. Yeah. Either that or you singing that to Felicity, you know. I'm just like Lamal. Exactly. <laughs> just Most definitely. Like Got but the yeah. same hair and everything. <laughs> but yeah, that was the great thing about the season. They did a great way of mixing the, you know, real serious, the monsters, the people being possessed, all that. But, and then throwing in lighter moments with it, like the shopping or like them, you know, stealing the car from the total eighties dude, you know, (laughs) and everything that was just, that was just awesome. And, you know, there was no way Hopper was going to get his job back after, you know, beating up the mayor, 
you know, stealing the car, you know, having Hopper ATVs, had himself you know. quite a season. He was kind of just out of control, raging nonstop the whole season. Oh, the little, especially when he was threatening, uh, you know, the kid with, you know, don't, don't see my daughter anymore. Or you oh, yeah. can, yeah. And I love the whole three inches thing because my sister had the same thing, you know, <laughs> with, her, with her boyfriends. It was just, sure. it was just awesome. It's got the Magnum PI look going now. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, yeah, and and you know it's they, it's that's the other skill that they have. It's a, they, it's fun. They throw those stuff. They they throw things like that in there, and there's the little elements like that. But then, I mean, there's real intense uh, stakes uh, in this story. Um, they're not afraid to, you know, to have someone go through hell. Uh, literally right um and that's it these things take their toll on these characters which i think is adds a real um weight to this show so it's not just like a a fun 80s rom mm. uh, nostalgic trip right um and obviously we see at the end of this i mean there's you know some people that don't make it out of this season so no. the thing that i loved most about the season and in all truth i loved that it wasn't 11 who saved the day Mm. You know, right because she, she did the first two seasons well yeah that kind of gets old it's like she just comes in and kicks everybody's ass and <laughs> you know i mean that's uh yeah i mean this is something that she couldn't do this time so um yeah, but the show has never been afraid of a body count like we, yeah. we've lost we've lost very likable major characters every season going back to barb in season one and then uh sean astin's character last season and even this season uh but with Billy and, and uh, the the Russian dude, Billy, and but also Hopper. We'll see about that. Yeah, I'm using air <laughs> quotes when I say Hopper. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's uh, yeah. Well, we'll get to that in a little bit. But um, but since we're talking about characters, uh, I want to ask if there was a particular favorite character arc or character that you um uh, identified with or just had fun with watching this season. And Michael, start with you. What uh, what uh, was your one of your star characters this season? Oh, geez, that's tough. It's like saying which one of these children is your favorite, you know, type thing. Choose no, no. Um, I actually loved Max and Eleven this season. Were awesome. They made I like how they split those two off. You know, it's cool that Eleven was getting a female friend. You know, and that she just wasn't you know totally gaga eyed and in love you know the whole season and that she was growing as a character and growing as an adolescence and a teenager and seeing them try on all those clothes at the gap and it's like i remember that fashion i remember that you know it was just it was awesome to see and i just thought that was great to see you know happen but i also loved how you saw all the boys growing up, you know, growing a little bit away from D and D and, you know, that, you know, they're discovering girls and everyone at that age, no matter what era you grew up in, you always had that one friend who just had discovered girls or boys or whatever yet. And they were still wanted to hang on. Oh, let's just sit around all night and, you know, read comic books or something instead of going out, Oh, we're going out on a date tonight, you know, type thing. You know, you all had that and it was so well done. Yeah. And it's even in this case, it's even sadder that it's will 
um, because Will missed a big chunk, uh, like season one, he was like in the upside down for so long that he kind of is, is grasping, like he's still holding on to season one um, more than anybody else, really, because he missed a big chunk of it, it feels like, of that era, right? And he's also, I think, younger than the rest of them, right? I think he's the same age. Is he? Yeah. But, you know, but you still had that. And, you know, you, he might be slightly, I hate to say it, delayed because of what happened to him in the Upside Down. It could be. But I really like, um, I, I agree with you, I co-signed 100%. The, um, the, the kinship between that forms this season between Eleven and Max was outstanding. And I think, <clears throat> I think one of the criticisms, well, I know one of the criticisms last year was Eleven's arc, especially when she kind of left, uh, left Hawkins to go on that sort of like new mutants adventure or whatever. And then <laughs> like, um, um, and they're, they'd seem to dial back from that a lot this season. Like this almost felt like the 11 from the end of season one, rather than the 11 from season two that when we started this, I, I felt that anyway. So, but, uh, but I still, you know, dug that relationship. Um, Jay, what about you? What, in a, any particular character that stood out this season for you? Well, I mean, it it is really hard to choose because I'm just there's a laundry list. I actually have IMDb open right now just so I can remember all of them. <laughs> it's so hard to choose. But one of the things I really love about what they do with their characters is, you, I mean, you talked about the stakes being real. I mean, Hopper Hopper is a dude that has some serious trauma, not only from losing. I mean, he's he's had broken family. He's lost his daughter. Um, now he's facing a lot of trauma just from the events of season two. Um, and I love the fact that they, they let him be an overweight dude. Like, like they don't try and they don't try and like hide behind like, Oh, we're going to make him, uh, you know, the the Billy version of a, of a 40 year old. Right. No, no, no. He's going to be, he's going to be full dad bod. I mean, and that's, (laughs) That's fantastic because it makes him so realistic and so likable. So I still love Hopper. And then, I mean, Steve Harrington. I don't know, man. Ever since season one, when Steve Harrington turned the corner and uh, stopped being the bully and became sort of more of a hero, I know he's used for a lot of comic relief, but he's still just such a joyous character for me to watch. And especially with the new character, with Robin kind of being his sidekick, and then them subverting our expectation by making her uh, a gay character so that it's not a romantic relationship they're involved in at all. I loved all of that interaction and interplay. And the fact that they could turn out to be really close friends was just super cool. And then the last person I'll throw a shout out to, because I feel like if I were in Stranger Things, I would be Lucas. <laughs> that's that's, that's the, the same kind of vibe that Lucas puts off is what I would be. So uh, I got I to gotta throw it out to Lucas, too. <laughs> uh, Kevin? Yeah, well, first I want to say I'm glad you mentioned that, that misdirection of the Robin uh, relationship with Steve. Because, yeah, you see, okay, here's the pretty girl at the ice cream place, but she's kind of off his radar. But you know these kids are going to get together by the end, and it turns out they're right for each other all along. And we've seen that formula so many times that I thought that was great that they just, nope. Yep, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, that was really nicely done. Uh, as far as other characters, uh, I wanted to mention Erica 
uh, Lucas's mm. little sister. Oh, she oh, yeah. came into her own in the season. Yeah, well, obviously it was a very minor character in previous uh, episodes. And now, yeah, I like that. Obviously, I, I, it's good to have a little more diversity in the cast. You know, we have more than one major non-white uh, character. So that that's nice that they stepped Operation up. Operation Child Endangerment. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and also, she it was kind of rubbing me the wrong way a little bit, just how... Uh, her dialogue was just so quick and just clobbering everybody with, with, you know, she could just talk down all these much older kids all around her so well. But then I like that they kind of explain that by her being a genius, essentially, you know, she's, she, they, they established she's like this math genius. So, okay, she's super smart. So I'll allow that then that she, she really seems to speak uh, above and beyond what you'd expect out of a 10 year old kid. Uh, so I thought she was fun and a great addition to the main cast. And uh, the other one that really stuck out for me, I think, was uh, Murray, their Russian translator, mm-hmm. who um, I had no idea that we'd get that much out of Murray. Like we got the little cameo. <laughs> much Murray. Of, yeah, like the, the science teacher, right? When Joyce goes to learn about magnets from the science, science teacher guy, and it's fun to see him. And he had just had his one little part. And I thought, okay, well, we're going to listening get a- to Weird Al, of course. Of course, got to do it. Uh, so, all right, now we're going to get a little scene with Murray again. That's nice, just like last year. But no, Murray's on board for the rest of the the, the season at that point. So I thought that was fun too, because he's such a funny character. Uh, so it was great that we get so much of him. And I also liked how just in season two, where he was convincing. Uh, Jonathan and Nancy, you know, you two, who you're kidding yourselves, you know, just, just hook up. And now <laughs> he's does, he gives the same speech to, <laughs> to Jonathan's mother in opera. Like every couple that visits him, <laughs> he, he the speech. Yeah. You kind of wonder, it's like, does he really have a knack for seeing this or does it just a speech he says to every couple? That yes. He just wants to pair up everybody. <laughs> I think that's what it is more or less. Will you two just sleep together already. Yeah, <laughs> that's what his welcome match should say. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you guys have uh, named. I I like the fact that you know we get a they mix it up a little bit. You know, I mean, we we see uh, everybody's kind of paired off differently than they are in other seasons. I mean, we still get the boys kind of together, but they they take Dustin out of the group, and he's now with um, you know he's now with Steve. And, and that group, and it's just kind of really interesting to see. I mean, they're, they kind of started that with season two because he had, um, you know, he was alone with, um, that, uh, that little creature, right. Most of the time. So he was not, he was kind of by himself and out of the group a little bit there. So, yeah, and there was a lot of Dustin Steve stuff in season two also. Yes, absolutely. Last season. Yeah. I mean, they kind of, yeah, they started off that having that buddy, buddy, kid movie dustin got all his hair care tips (laughs) (laughs) and and of course they established that dustin is the one that goes to way to camp right and they all um stayed there right they 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 enjoyed a summer uh where he wasn't around um so then he comes back and yeah and there's a separation with the the girlfriend with the quote-unquote girlfriend yes (laughs) which i think we all knew was real right um Maybe, kind of, maybe, sort of. Yeah, everyone, every, everyone had that girlfriend in Canada or Utah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I have to say that uh, there was a lot of like character moments that um, I, I loved. I, I look the uh, we've already Mike and I have already uh, been to a convention, the Atlanta Comic Con, a couple of weeks ago, where we saw uh, people dressed up as um, the Ahoy ice cream fo- in costumes. <laughs> so that is definitely going to be a thing from now on. It's, I expect to see a lot of that at Dragon Con, I'm sure. Um, and then uh, I think one of the, like think the first episode. Uh, when Billy comes out um, in the pool, uh, you know, the, the sort of slow motion uh, to the cars, the, oh. the really like the flip of Fast Times, I thought was really just funny. Like, I just thought that was really clever. Uh, I loved how they just went for it, used the exact same music. Yep. That was terrific. Yeah, oh, it, it was awesome. And it also, you know, it totally played because Phoebe Cates made a big, you know, impression in the season anyway. So. Yeah, yeah then there's a lot of Fast Times stuff this season. You're right down to that that Scoops Ahoy uniform because in Fast Times you had Judge Reinhold had his fast food job wearing his goofy uniforms. That was definitely a a Fast Times influenced uh, decision to to stick uh, Steve in that ridiculous suit. And then we even got the and the mall setting, of course, was right out of Fast Times. And then even right at the end, you, you at the video store, you get the Phoebe Cates uh, cardboard right. cutout. Yeah, right. And never go to Steve for movie reviews ever. You know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think all of us are horrified when he was like, you know, trying to, like, you know, he doesn't really care for Star Wars. We're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I mean, we forget that even though we've accepted Steve for being kind of cool now, yeah, he's still kind of not not a geek. He's not a nerd, right? Hmm. Um, Ooh, he did have that sword fight in the ice cream place with Dustin. That's true. Yes, yes, right. But that's a lot different than, like, later on where he just obviously doesn't know Star Wars. Yeah. Which I is- think part of Steve's struggle is just that he's he's trying to fight his identity is the cool guy, right? Which is why he's hitting on every girl that comes in to get ice cream. But there's a big part of him that, that really just needs connection through people like Dustin, who is the antithesis of the cool guy and is not even trying to be the cool guy. And so I think Steve sees kind of an, uh, an escape from his daily cage of coolness by partnering with Dustin. Um, and that's why I like the Robin character, because she's influencing him to be like, dude, who cares about that? That's so stupid. Um, so it's kind of a fun, a fun dynamic. So I think he wants to be like Dustin. Therefore, he does the lightsaber thing. But then he so wants to be so cool, he's got to say Star Wars sucks. So it seems like a facade to me. And it also seems like in his head, Steve thinks he's like Billy, right? Yes. Like he's the one that like walks <laughs> around and women are all looking at it, right? Because exactly. he, he's the one with the hair, right? Yeah. Um, and yet, like after high school, it doesn't like that. That doesn't matter. <laughs> like the hair, the hair doesn't matter in Africa. Um yeah, because Billy doesn't really have a lot of it. So um um and I thought like Billy's arc too, I mean, even though he's like really much a shell through most of this season, I thought uh Dacre Montgomery did a great job and uh I was actually concerned for him. Like there were mm. a lot of times where I was thinking, I don't know if he's gonna make it out of this. Um, and of course he doesn't, but, <laughs> but, but the fact that he gets to end it on his terms, I thought was really cool. Like, Does he redeem know. himself in this season? I think so. Mm. I mean, sure. yeah. I mean, he, he, he saves, uh, he saves 11 right at the end. Yeah. 
Mm. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he kind of breaks the hold. Um, and, and that, that was pretty cool. I thought. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a lot of character moments. I think also you guys have all pointed out too, that I think, you know, we first season, obviously the, the D and D was a strong element of the, not just, um, in like they were not just, they were playing in the story, but it also affected the whole atmosphere of season one. And the same way I think they try to do with season two with video games. I don't think it was as successful, but it was obviously there. Um, this season, it's the mall. <laughs> like, like, so like, like you pointed out, Mike. Um, yeah. I mean, we all go through those phases, right? We go through, you know, when you're younger, you play D and comics, whatever. And then as you get into your teens, like suddenly it's fast time, Ridgemont High, the mall is the thing, right? And I can remember, I mean, I was around, like, I, I'm just slightly younger, younger than you, Mike. So, like, 84 was my junior year in high school. So, and, and the mall was, like, the thing. That was the place to go. Oh, yeah. What was your, Mike, what, what was your mall as a Massachusetts guy? I'm curious. Um, it was uh, Sears Town in Lemonster. Uh, okay, I don't know that one. <laughs> <laughs> it was Sears Town in Lemonster. You know, it had a strawberries. Yeah, uh, of course, had a Radio Shack, Walden Books, like a lot of the other things that you see that we see here in this mall. Um, oh, sure. So and I think for those of us here in Georgia, uh, this has an added sort of specialness because it was filmed at the mall that's like eight miles from my house. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was filmed at Gwinnett Place Mall, yeah. which is pretty much a mall that's already almost dead as it is. Yeah, this is like a mall that's really like dying. Uh, it's not, um, uh, yeah, nobody goes there. The, I don't think, even think that the main store has all left it. Um, and the so, only main store that's there anymore is Macy's, and that's it. Sears closed, Penny's closed, you know, all the local bigger stores closed, and it's just, it's gone. And, you know, it was pretty awesome, though, because, you know, they had the sets like fenced off but you were still kind of able to go in there and see, you know, yeah, and there was when they were filming, filming, there was, there was a call and there was a lot of people. I mean, as long as you can show up and you're wearing 80 stuff, like you, you guys have seen the scenes. There's a ton of people in that mall, like in those oh, yeah. mall scenes and, and they're real people. I mean, I think both Mike, I mean, we all know people who were in that mall scene. So. Oh yeah, exactly. I had a friend of mine whose two sons were in it. They had to grow mullets for this <laughs> oh that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> so uh so yeah and and i you know they actually used because uh gwinnett place mall was opened in 84 83 something like that 84 so, so they looked at you know what it looked like when it opened and a lot of the uh, decisions that were made uh based on like, the sets and stuff were from the old uh pictures of the mall so so it's got a real, like, you know, a real element to it that, yeah, look, that's why it looks so familiar and feels so familiar. And, it's like, uh, wait a minute, there was never a movie theater in there. Yeah, that's the one thing. Where I, that's like the one suspension of disbelief I couldn't, I couldn't quite get. I was like, there's no theater in there. <laughs> the movie theater was always outside the mall at that one. Yeah, but well, it was neither here nor there. And no, it was still great to see oh, that like, idea. As, an, as a, as just like a, you know, now. Now, since you guys, uh, Kevin and Jay, were not, you know, obviously the hometown uh, mall heads here. So, um, but did how did the elements of the mall and the setting overall strike you this season? 
Do you, yeah. do you kind of agree with me as far as that that being like the replacement for D and D and and video games going through this season? Sure. Like, well, yeah, last season we got the arcade, and, and you know, they they, they, they want to not repeat themselves too much and kind of hit other familiar settings from back then. So I thought the mall is is that's brilliant. That's everybody remembers going to the mall in the eighties, and no matter what part of the country you were in there were those same mall chain stores. You know, everybody knew a mall with a Walden books and an orange Julius and, and all those places. So that, I thought it was terrific. Now, Jay, I, I also thought it was the youngest one. So uh, yeah. I, think. <laughs> I, 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 so I was, uh, in 1984, I was three years old, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I but, still remember the mall. <laughs> I mean, let me tell you about it. <laughs> I was born in a mall. <laughs> um, uh, so, so for me, so uh, just a little fun fact, uh, I grew up next to the mall where Back to the Future was filmed. Ah. Uh, yeah, All right, you win. Hills mall. Yeah, Twin, Hills Twin mall. Pines or Lone Pine? That, dude, that's a good question. I don't, I don't know what the actual name was over there. No, um, but Twenty Hills Mall was where it was filmed. And the reason I bring it up is because what the mall as shown in Stranger Things Season 3 is like the epitome of what I wish the mall was like. But by the time I started going to the mall, I, it was in the early to mid nineties. Yeah, yeah. Probably mid nineties. And, and it had been run down and gang infested. So it was like <laughs> oh. a place you do not go to, you know? So like this, so I think one of the, one of the things that's cool about nostalgia is that for those of us who grew up, um, kind of wishing we were a little bit further back in the eighties. So we could have experienced some of the things that you guys experienced directly. Um, this kind of show, not only does it present the nostalgia for you, but we remember going to the mall in the nineties when it was not as cool and going like, wow, we just missed that decade where it would have been super cool. So I loved the, I mean, the neon was bright and brilliant and so well incorporated. And there's so few places that use neon anymore. So as a person who was more nostalgic for it, but not having experienced it, it just seemed to strike all the right notes. And we should mention that the Duffer brothers are very young as well. Like these guys would barely remember the eighties from their own childhood. I think they're born in the mid eighties. So that these are super young guys. I don't know how they can, <laughs> how they, they, they capture it so perfectly, even though they weren't really there. Yeah. Good also, point. Cause they're like, yeah, they're, you, it's like they have this romantic nostalgia element to the eighties that they were not around for. Yeah. I also feel kind of left out right now because uh, they never filmed any movies or TV shows at my mall. I assure you. <laughs> Unlike all you guys, I went to the Lincoln mall in Lincoln, Rhode Island. The Lincoln it was, mall. It was pretty lame. <laughs> that was their tagline we're pretty lame <laughs> <laughs> best thing anyone could say about it that was the major selling point well um all right so outside the mall and outside of you know characters and everything like that i mean yeah we're sort of getting limited time so i want to obviously get to um sort of the end um, and how, if that was satisfying to you and what happens next, um, obviously there's some clues as to where this can go for season four. We already know there's going to be a season four. So, um, so that is set. Although I don't know, you know, it hasn't been mentioned that it's going to be the last season. I think the Duffer brothers have said that they see this only going four or five seasons. I think Netflix would be like, no, no, go as far as you want. Um, 
you don't have to have a short season like Game of Thrones. We're not going to do that. We're not going to HBO you, right? <laughs> so uh, just take as long as you want because we, you know, you're really our star show. Um, so we'll start with you, Jay. What, uh, what did you think about the ending? Is it satisfying to you? Yeah, very. It's very satisfying ending. Um, it's enough. It's it's enough, they're so good at like leaving us with a little bit of a cliffhanger even at the end, right? So we're like, well, now what's going to happen? Um, so I thought that that was really cool. Kind of cool to see the the demigorgon kind of creature again too, and incorporate that back into it. Um, in other words, things are not resolved. You know, that we might have some resolution, but it is not resolved. I am a little concerned about the age of the kids. What I would really like to see with Stranger Things is I'd love to see them actually do kind of more of a reboot uh, and then start in a different place, a uh, different part of the country, and then do it like in the 90s instead um, and with a whole different... So like give, us a, give us a decade of a breather and then see, see where we could explore with different characters because I, I like the vibe. I, I think if you were to go and take it away from being sort of more of a, a small community oriented, family oriented, friends oriented setting, if we're going to start getting into like saved by the bell, the college years, I think we're in big trouble, right? Like it's not <laughs> going to be as interesting into us anymore. Um, so yeah, that's my take. I hope they, I hope, I hope season four, which I'm very excited for is the last season with a majority of these characters. And then we transition into some new characters, different location, but same or similar setup would be cool for me. I think Interesting. stranger things, the next generation. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, <laughs> you might get your wish because the rumor is that season four is going to be the last season. Yeah. I just hope that they don't, they don't like not come back to the, to the vibe. You know what I mean? Like it's, I'm going to really miss it if they don't come back with, a season five that's just completely different, but maintaining the same themes. I don't know. We'll see. Hmm. Hmm. Kevin, what about you? Yeah, I was, I was uh, very happy, satisfied with uh, the way the season ended. And as far as what's coming, well, as far as a, like a fun eighties setting for the next season, we, we saw uh, Steve and Robin getting their, uh, video store jobs so maybe we'll get more of a setting at that video store i think that might be a fun Ooh. location to work out of for Good some of the next season hopefully mm-hmm. god mm-hmm. almost like a clerk's vibe well, sure, I, I made the, i made the joke actually to judy and it's like oh if they go like into the early 90s they could have a jay and silent bob standing right up <laughs> <laughs> they could have uh, some episodes directed by kevin smith really sure and i, I like that the buyers and 11 moved away at the end because I'm obviously there. They'll come up with some excuse to get everybody back together for the next season, but it just made sense to get out of town. You know, (laughs) why would they continue living (laughs) in this stupid town where people that they know and love are murdered by supernatural monsters every few months? It's like, it's like the friends became glue, you know, what is it? The end of, uh, is it the end of poltergeist? Where they're in the hotel room and uh, the father takes the TV out. Yes, yes. <laughs> Where he's like, you know, it's like, yeah, why would you sleep with a TV in the room? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Well, even if this, the story this season happened, though, they were still going to have to move because the father, who we only saw a little bit in the first season, was putting the house up for sale. Mm. Anyway, so the buyers were going to have to leave at least the house. But I guess they decided to just leave town. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. And obviously, you know, Joyce has probably had enough. <laughs> like, <laughs> she's done. Uh, I think that's pretty clear too. I mean, she's been through a lot and, you know, even it, it's, it's obvious that after this, the threat is always going to be there. You know, that you know, it's just when you think it's not going to be there, it still is. So uh, you need to get away. So um, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how, like you said, Kevin, I, I think obviously it's like, we got to get the game back together. Sure. Sure. Um, so yeah. What are they going to use as an excuse to do that? Hmm. So um, Mike, what about you? I love the season. I loved how it ended. I loved seeing a shopping mall destroyed, you know, but then again, we'll, we'll eventually see the real thing destroyed when they build a polo field on where the mall is. I think it's interesting that even though season two was the, the video game era really kind of season season three really ends with the, 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 the fight with the boss villain, like the bat, like the big monster. Yeah, it is the big, but I think there's something bigger there still. I don't well, think. Oof. Yeah. I mean, that was only a little piece of the mind flare, right? Supposedly. And it was still fairly big because it absorbed all those people. And, you know, that was just disgusting when the rats exploded or turned inside out. Yes. And, you know, then did whatever they did to the people. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was just like, yeah. But it was, it was really well done. And I loved how all the Russians disappeared, you know, from the mall underneath. Mm. And, you know, did they take Hopper with them? Who knows? Did Hopper get pulled into upside down? Who knows? You know, that's always the, that's the big question. And that also opens up the after credit scene, which was the American in there. And I, everyone has their theory and, you know, I'm going to say, I think it's the bad guy from the first season is in there. That's how they got the technology to the Russians got the technology to start building the equipment. Yeah. Again, the, the, the Duffer brothers do seem to like a little misdirection and maybe they like the idea that people jumped right away on, Oh, that's Hopper. Hopper's in there. And no. well, maybe not, no. maybe Hopper might still come back, but in a whole other way. Well, if you remember also in season two, when you met the new mutants, quote unquote, <laughs> they kept on saying, dad's not dead. Mm. Yeah. And yeah, and that, that was a whole can of worms that that uh, all those other numbered children from Eleven's uh, past that 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 one crazy episode of season two where we met them, and that was completely off the table for season three. So maybe they will return to more of Eleven's uh, history. And yeah, the, the exactly. game I think I think I think that's we're gonna if the if season four is the last season, I think Eleven has to be the star. Like she's the one that I think has to be front and center. And especially her relationship with the mind flare and the upside down and exactly how that that relationship is like. And so knowing that, I think, yeah, I think that does for me lean to the fact that the American in the, in the uh, cell is Brenner. Like it just, to me, it makes sense because 11 story, it's going to be 11 story. I mean, everybody else is going to have some time. Sure. And, and, but I think when it all comes down to it, um, uh, you can't end this show without sort of dealing with what she is and what the upside down is, kind of. 
Yeah. I agree with that, but it's interesting because I also hope partly it's not just Eleven. I hope it's also Will. Hmm. I hope he get, you know finally gets some closure on it. You know, at least he wasn't a victim this season. He had the little Peter tingle on the back of his neck. <laughs> that was a that was a Will tingle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you know, I I would love to see you know his story also come full circle. Um, I know we don't have a lot more time, but I did want to open it up to if there was any sort of criticisms or issues that you had with this season uh, that just sort of maybe something that was difficult to to get past. Uh, was there any sort of downside for you, Jay? No, um, no. Well, I should say no major downsides. Uh, I, I, a major downside for me was that strange episode with Eleven kind of doing the exploration because I felt like it did really open them up to storylines that they were not trying to finish. And I was like, that's weird. Um, but in this season, the only thing that I would complain a little bit about is that there was quite a bit of setup to deal with the relationship of Mike's mom and Billy. And then it was just sort of abandoned completely. And I, I would have, since there was so much set up there, it seemed like it was supposed to be more than a joke, but they didn't really do anything with it. Um, she didn't come back to help him or, uh, or come back to defeat him in some way or, um, and the dad didn't show up in any relatable way. So that to me was, now she was there for, um, she was there for Nancy in that one scene, which was really powerful. But, uh, yeah, that's the only thing I would say was a little bit odd to me, but I don't think it's a misstep because it's not that big of a deal. You know, it doesn't really play a giant role in the season anyway. Well, she was ready to jump into the sack with Billy, though. Exactly. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, she, but she chickened out. Well, she was, but she wasn't. You know, I think, um, yeah, I think she, it was one of those things that was like a fantasy, but then when it became real, she was like, no, she... And I kind of, I kind of like that element of it. And I kind of, and I really do like the fact that it was just used to sort of, you know, swerve us, you know, because, you know, we're all thinking what's going to happen at the hotel and, you know, Billy never makes it and, uh, and she didn't show up either. And it was sort of like a, a non-issue really after that. And, uh, but I, I, Jay, I did think that when you guys covered uh, seasons one and two recently talking about that, I think the the role or the lack of like strong father figures mm. um apart from hopper mm. in in this series as a whole is interesting and i don't i'm not criticizing it but when you look at it it is kind of an interesting element that um certainly most of the kids the four kids or five kids that are part of the group um their parents are you are kind of like you know there might as well be like 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 peanuts carry (laughs) (laughs) they just go wah 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 like they just they're not really strong characters in and of themselves well that actually goes to one other question i know we have to start wrapping this up but one other question i had for you who is max living with now because she was living with billy yeah yeah i don't i don't know where she's going next yeah because you know Eleven's now living with Will and his family, but you know, she, he's basically lived with the buyers, but Max, her only family was basically Billy. Yeah. Is she just going to be on her own now? And she's what? 13, 12 years old, 13 years old. She's yeah. pretty, she's pretty savvy. 12 year old. 
That's <laughs> true. So, all right. Well, cool. Well, um, it's been uh, so much fun uh, talking about this and I know we could talk about it more. And of course we will, you know, until the next season comes off, off the air, we will be talking all about this because it gave us a lot to talk about, but um I don't know uh, if it really stands to if we could want to you know, rate this season, but sure, we'll try. Um, you know, one out of five, uh, we can we can go for that. Um, Jay, oh, I'm gonna go five. I think it's I think I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was really enjoyable, really fun, and it kept me watching episode after episode. Yeah, this was really easy to binge. Yeah, <laughs> this was uh, much like it, the first. It, it was season. not a chore to watch this it was, one. It was no, it was difficult to turn it off. Like. After every single, you know, cliffhanger, it was like, no, no, I, I got to keep going. Yep. I got to keep going. Kevin? Yeah, I'm going to rate this uh, five bowls of Mr. T cereal. <laughs> <laughs> A bit of food don't eat our cereal. <laughs> Mike? Can I say 11? Uh, <laughs> uh, well done. Well done. Yeah, well, look, I'm not going to, um, you know, maybe I had, you know, was it perfect? Me, I can't say it was perfect, but I mean, it was as close as it gets. And I think it was a, um, I didn't realize, it's funny because I didn't realize how much I guess I didn't like season two until I saw season three. Mm. That makes sense. Because I, I I saw a lot of people kind of criticizing season two and I'm like, no, it's fine. I thought it was great. And then season three came and I'm like, oh yeah, it's not as good as season two. Like, or no, I mean, season two wasn't as good as this. And mm. see, and so season one and three really stand out for me. And, and I don't think season two is a, a complete drop off, but yet there is enough of it there that I think it does kind of drag in some of the episodes where I didn't feel like that happened at all. Season one or season three, mm. there was no episode that just felt superfluous. So, well, awesome. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll close out the show in a little bit. But uh, before that, get ready for the ESO Network Con Report. Who was that? Uh, uh, it was, uh, I don't know, actually. I think it was just some interference. So why don't we uh, change frequency to 14.158? Copy that. Shifting frequency. Stand by. <laughs> I copy, Susie Poo. It sounds much better now. Thanks. Susie. Okay, so listen. Do you know Planck's constant? Do you know the Earth orbits the sun? Okay, so I know it starts with two sixes, and then I... Well, what is it? Okay, let me just be clear on this. I haven't heard from you in a week, and now you want a mathematical equation that you should know so you can save the world? Susie Poo, I promise I will make it up to you as soon as possible. You can make it up to me now. What? I want to hear it. Not right now. Yes, now, Dusty Bun. Susie Poo, this is urgent. Yes, yes, you're saving the world. I heard you the first time, but Jed is also saving Earthsea, and he's about to confront the shadows, so this is Susie signing off. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, okay, okay. Turn around. Look at what you see. In her face, the mirror of your dream. Make believe I'm everywhere. Give it in the light. Written on the pages is the answer to a never.
Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, This Geek Girl is talking about Stranger Things Season 3. So, if you haven't watched it yet, skip ahead now. So, Stranger Things Season 3 came out on the 4th of July. I finally got to watch it all, and I loved it. I liked it better than Season 2, and I'm really, really intrigued with where the story is going to take us since they did hint a Season 4 at the end. I loved all the character development for all the characters this season and the struggle of Will trying to keep his friends while they're all going girl crazy. I also loved how Eleven's character has changed so much over the course of three seasons. She is still confused about the world, having grown up in a lab, but is still slowly learning through the guidance or misguidance of Max. This season showed us the Russians, who have been hinted at since season one, and how they are now trying to open the portal to the Upside Down. We see the Mind Flayer being the main villain again, and we see Billy taken over by him, and then in the end being the hero, which, who would have guessed that from season two with Billy? We also see the possible death of Hopper at the end, or is he dead? Since the last scene shows us Russia and an American that we don't get to physically see, but did he die in the explosion, or did he get swept away to Russia? I need to know. Also, they have a demigorgon? What? So overall, this series was amazing for this season, and I'm pumped and hope that they make another one so we get all the answers that are left off from season three. Well, thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. For the week of July 25th, 2019, it's the ESO Network Con Report! Well, there's a big, big, big convention happening at the end of August, and so, yeah, we're all gearing up for that. But in the meantime, there are actually two one-day shows where you can find ESO Network folks at, and the first of which is happening this weekend. It is the Atlanta Comic Convention. It's a one-day show. It's put on four or five times a year. Uh, It's at the uh, Atlanta, I'm sorry, the Marriott Century Center. And um, it's a a fun show. It's a one-day show. Lots of familiar faces, especially if you're an ESO network folk. Um, Mike and I usually be there. Uh, I know I will be there and Mike may be there. Depends on if there's a big enough sale for pop figures. Um, uh, so I'm picky. Uh, what can I say? I know. I know. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's getting to the point now where there's very few you don't have. So it has to be something special to get you out of bed. Um, well, that's what I say all the time. I even say that to Judy. <laughs> Lots of friends of the station, including, of course, the award-winning author and former Earth Station One co-host, Bobby Nash, will be there uh, hawking his books. Uh, He's got a new one out, so uh, you definitely want to come check that out. 
And uh, there's lots of other friends there too. And if you're going to be there and you want to meet up, just uh, give us a shout because we like uh, hanging out with our listener friends. We like just making new friends and uh, just like hanging out with uh, and talking geek stuff. So we like doing that at conventions and we will do that at the Atlantic Comic Convention. And we will also do that the following week after that, uh, their August 3rd, there's a one day show in Smyrna, Georgia. It is the Legion Comic Con and uh, it's a new show put on by our very good friend, uh, Chris Hamer. And this is this show. Um, Chris promises this to be something special, something different. This is, this, Chris has had a lot of experience going to a lot of conventions. And so he's now crafting a perfect convention for him, which if you know, Chris, this is going to be unusual. This is going to be crazy. This is going to be something to see. So uh, I'm very curious to see what this is going to be like. And I know it's going to be fun. That's, that's the bottom line. Cause because uh, Chris Hamer is all about having fun, and this will there's going to be a lot of uh, familiar faces at this one as well, and it's going to have a different vibe, and so we'll have to um, uh, eager to check it out and support it as a as a first year show. So that's the Legion Comic Con in Smyrna, Georgia, August third, and then as I said, we're all going to descend upon downtown Atlanta for Dragon Con. That is August 29th through September second. It is Labor Day weekend, and Look, we, Mike and I still don't know our schedules or what panels we're going to be on. We have some idea, but of course, the official schedule's not out yet. The app's not out yet. There's still a lot of question marks, but you can be sure. You know, there, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, some of the hotel stuff and everything like that. But there, there's one thing you can guarantee will be at Dragon Con, and that is Mike and myself. We will be there, and uh, we are looking forward to it. There will be other ESO Network folks, too. Still getting a list of everybody who's going to be there. It's usually a long one, and I don't expect it to be any different this year. So, But if you want to keep up with all the latest news, notes, and everything Dragon Con, please check out the Dragon Con Con Report. Uh, we've recorded six episodes already. The seventh one is going to be in your face pretty soon, probably this week by the time you hear this. And then we've got one more to record before the big event uh, next month. So, uh, and there we go over in detail, news, notes, guest announcements, and a lot of topics of discussion. So uh, it's a great crew over there that uh, talks about that. So I definitely encourage you to check that out right on the ESO network. So, um, and in the meantime, if you've got a convention that you want to shout out about, if you've got a convention that you want us to help participate in, please reach out to us because we love talking about conventions. So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. Let's thank our visitors, our guests for joining us tonight. Mr. Author himself, Jay. Thank you so much, sir. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's really been a pleasure. I love Stranger Things. Love talking to you guys. It's been awesome. Wow. You know, when we give you titles, author, podcaster, producer, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> it, it's pretty darn awesome. Congratulations, sir. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Anything you want to shout out about? Yeah, we just uh, re-released our time travel novel, Time Slingers. Um, so we're, we're heavily promoting that. If you like fast-paced science fiction, especially around time travel, definitely want to check that out. And then the Story Geeks podcast. We're in our X-Men series. Uh, we are, as of this week, we are launching, we are releasing our X-Men, every X-Men movie ranked. 
So you can come in and like shout at the at the radio or the podcast or the phone or wherever you listen when we get it wrong. Oh, I do every week. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we want. That's what we want. That's perfect. That is awesome, sir. And how can people find you? You can go to thestorygeeks.com or go to the Reclamation Society slash Timeslingers if you want to learn more about the novel. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Kevin, thank you, my friend. Guys, anytime I can beam up out of Chicken Town up here to the station, my pleasure. Glad to be here once again to talk some more Stranger Things with you. Excellent. Well, you know, we have you every odd season. Yes. So, <laughs> you know, if there's a season five, we'll have you back. Season four, I'll be back for season five. That's the plan. <laughs> Speak to you again in about four years. Exactly. So <laughs> with that being said, you know, we want to promote your podcast. Sure. You can find me right here on the ESO network. My show is the Flopcast, and we're probably the silliest show on the network. And uh, in fact, we've we made a huge mistake and we're spending the summer watching all the sequels to Meatballs. Yes, Meatballs 3. We, How could you? We watched two. We just watched three this week, the latest episode. And uh, Yikes number four is coming up in just a few weeks. Other than that, we have a show coming up about robots and uh, all kinds of silly stuff happening throughout the summer. Find us at flopcast.net. And I will see everybody in about a month at Dragon Con. Just not at the Sheraton, right? We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> And Mr. Mike, thank you as always, my friend. And as always, it's my pleasure, sir. Anything you want to shout out about, sir? I do. I'm going to give a shout out to another person, another uh, uh, co-host on the ESO Network that recently put out a a little creative uh, endeavor of his own, a little creative project. And that is Richard Ewell, who, uh, of course, people know him from the Nerdy Laser podcast and the PWR show as well. Um, yeah, PWR spot show. It's called now. Yeah, I always get confused because they change it every month. Um, but, uh, anyway, he has issued out his first comic, uh, called nerdy laser and the fighting perceptors. Uh, it's a little fun book and it's got that features, uh, um, story by him, I think, as well as, uh, artwork by Jason Wolf. And it's just a fun little action book that he's put together it's really reminiscent of the little mini comics that you used to get with action figures back in the day and uh it's just really fun so i'll have a link to it so that people can order it um and uh yeah with shipping and everything it's a really reasonable price so i definitely recommend people check it out that is awesome congrats dude i've really richard you're doing a great job on the wrestling podcast and also nerdy laser (laughs) now you're an author that's pretty cool very awesome. My shout out real quick is going out to the Nintendo company. I decided to stick my big toe into the water and I picked up a Nintendo switch. Oh no. Yes, I did. So I figured with a lot of things I have going on in my life right now, portability is mandatory in my life right now. And it's kind of hard to take a PlayStation four with you anywhere you had to go. and. I was starting to get bored with some of the games that I was playing and everything. And my nephew, Dan picked up a switch and a couple other friends have been trying to talk to me about getting one. So I decided to stick my big toe in. I got one. I think I got three games with it. And so I want a mission to you guys at home or anyone who's listening anywhere. Uh, 
please send me some suggestions with games and you know what would be great to play you know either online download or to do with the switch because you know i'm really going to dive headfirst into this and looking forward to hearing what everyone has to say about that so please you know write us through the podcast which is earth station one at esonetwork.com just do the topic of mike switch well, actually, let's not do that topic. That could be <laughs> kind of taken the wrong way. But just do it on uh, Nintendo Switch. Let's do it that one. Uh, definitely curious to what games to pick up for this. It's going to be a lot of fun. Very interesting, man. Because now, now, now there's no, uh, not just excitement as we head towards uh, the end of the year uh, with episode 500 of Earth Station One. But now it's it's like dramatic, like, will we actually make it? Because now you've got a distraction. Another distraction in my life, just so what I need. Now you've got to be, like, at one point, like at any point now, between now and 500, you could be like, you know what? I'm not, I don't have time for the podcast because I'm too busy gaming. Oh, well, I also have ideas for other things too. So other projects coming up, but we'll talk about that at a later time. But speaking of later times, join us again next week when we're going back to the movies. That's right. Quentin Tarantino is coming out with a little movie called once upon a time in Hollywood. And we are going to review it should be a ton of fun. So until then, my name is Mike Faber. We will talk to you then on the Earth station one podcast. Peace. And we're done. Boom. Now we're done. <laughs> You've been listening to the Air Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Air Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our T Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.